Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue kingdom of God justice. Who feels like it's still summer? Who feels like it's fall? I know we're in that in-between spot. Uh, We're finishing up our series on our mission statement. Good stuff. Let's start out with a little bit of quick Christian trivia. Who here knows what an altar call is? Okay. Um, So uh, we do something a little bit similar at our church, but she's like, raise your hand if you want to really receive Jesus' forgiveness, start following Jesus. Um, You know, an altar call that was made popular by Billy Graham. As a kid, not to brag or anything, but I got saved at altar calls six times. Uh, the church that I grew up in would not have done an altar call, but the summer camp I went to sure did. So every summer, there was little Sarah Schneider getting saved again. Not how it works theologically, but it had been a really long 11 and a half months, and I just wanted to make sure Jesus remembered since the last time. Uh, Historically, altar calls aren't something the church has always done. Um, Baptism, catechesis, the different ways of public profession. Um, But in the 1830s, Charles Finney was preaching. The Second Great Awakening was starting to happen, and Charles Finney was leading massive Uh, like revival meetings, and he would call people forwards to the altar. They would pray, dedicate their lives to Jesus, and then they would go off to a side room with one of his ministers who would gather their names and addresses. And then those ministers would be able to follow up with them shortly thereafter, visit them for the purpose of determining whether or not they owned any enslaved persons. And if they did, their first act of following Jesus was expected to be to free any enslaved persons who they owned. In what is probably like one of the most evangelical practices we have of an altar call, we see embedded in that the understanding that Jesus and justice go together. That God is Lord not just of our hearts, but of the world, that he has a plan, and we as his followers are expected to cooperate with Jesus in carrying out his plans for the world. So we're going to talk today about our third uh, part of our mission statement. As we follow Jesus together, And it is all about Jesus. As we follow Jesus together, we pursue kingdom of God justice. Not justice as the world defines it, justice as different arguing parties define what justice is, but justice as God declares it will be in his quickly coming kingdom. So let's pray, and then we will see what Scripture has to tell us and inform us as a community, the good news for our hearts and souls about what God is doing in our world. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that Jesus and justice go together, that we can trust you with our hearts and also trust you with our world, that you have a plan not just for us, but for our communities, our countries, our world, 
Jesus, we thank you today that you are Lord. That you are not an optional add-on to our lives that we have decided to do on Sunday mornings, but that you are in charge. So we surrender our hearts to you afresh today. We open our lives to your will, to your rule, to your reign. Today we open our, our minds and our souls to your word. As we study scripture, would you just breathe fresh life into us? Would we see you, Jesus? Would we know you, Jesus? And we come in alignment with all you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> all right, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, um, looking at one of Jesus' interactions with folks as he made his way through healing and teaching and preaching. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus. He was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Zacchaeus was a rich tax collector. Do you know how you become a rich tax collector? Well, you start out by taking as much money as you can from your one spot and then giving as much to the higher-ups and then they take notice and they give you more people to take as much money as you can from and then they make you a higher-up. This will clarify all. It's basically like being a drug lord. I know that really uh, mean streets of Hopkinton, we understand. Um, taxes was how Rome kept their thumb on Israel. Through heavy taxation, uh, Israel was too weak, too poor to try very much. Taxes exerted Rome's total control over Israel. And Zacchaeus was one of the ones to rifle through Israelites' wallets for every last nickel and dime. Zacchaeus was a Jew, and he was a total sellout. He decided to work for the oppressor to enrich himself and he was very good at it. He was a talented trader. People hated him. So when a big revival meeting comes to town with this new rabbi, uh, no one is making space for him in the pews. He is crowded out. Zacchaeus, it wasn't just that he was short. There were so many shortcomings about him. He was not just low in stature. He was low in character. Folks just said, sorry, this seat's taken. It was common in Jewish synagogues for the donations of Jewish tax collectors to not be accepted. Their money was too dirty to even accept the community building fund. Backstabbers were not welcome even in the back row. So Zacchaeus got creative. He took drastic measures. He climbed up this tree when Jesus was going that way. Jesus came by. He looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quickly, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly came down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. 
He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Jesus said, hey, hey, Bill, yes, Bill Letter, hey, I'm coming to your house today. He saw him, knew him, called him by name. He knew who he was, knew what his occupation was. And he says a shocking thing. I choose you. This always bothered people about Jesus. He was friends with sinners, with notorious sinners, with sin leaders, sin influencers. Zacchaeus climbed a tree, but Jesus called him down. Jesus walked home with him, hung out with him all evening. Jesus chose him. Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. The word of the Lord. So, Zacchaeus, funny little man, funny little story. I think that when Zacchaeus climbed up into that tree and met Jesus, he had no idea that getting close to Jesus would mean this. I, I imagine, you know, as he's sitting up there in that tree, he's like, Hey, cool, he noticed me. This whole guerrilla marketing thing works. And he climbs down the tree, and they start walking home, and he's thinking, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen next. Maybe he'll tell me how he really did the feeding of the 5,000. And then they get closer, and, you know, the house just looks a little bit different with Jesus next to him, and the really nice car in the driveway doesn't look like something to be quite as proud of, and he's not as excited about the really well-stocked mini bar. And then somehow he just starts talking about all the people he's stolen from, and poor Israelites, and they used to be his friends, and now when people see him, there's just a look of fear in their eyes, and he looks into Jesus's eyes, and he knows he knows. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay it all back, not just two times or three times, four times as much. Why? Why? Well, because he was with Jesus. Why? Because he saw who Jesus was. Scripture says that Jesus is the exact revelation of God. Hebrews 1, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. Many times, various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us through his Son, whom he appointed over all things, who made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. So when he sees Jesus... He sees God. He sees the God of, of the Torah, of Deuteronomy. For the Lord your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords. Great God. He shows no partiality. Do not think that he can be bribed. 
He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you, gives them food and clothing, so you too must also. He alone is your God. When Zacchaeus sees Jesus, he sees God, he sees the God of the Psalms. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Zacchaeus saw Jesus, saw Jesus for who he is as God, as Lord, and as a God of justice. When we see Jesus, what do we see? Do we see Jesus the same way? When Jesus started out his ministry, he decided to go back right to the beginning, his hometown. Uh, on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue. They gave him uh, the book of Isaiah. He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus closes the Bible, sits down, everyone's staring at him. He says, all of this has just happened. The, uh, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's who Jesus is. It's what he came to do. This is the self-revelation of who Jesus is. It's who he says he is. It's how he acted here on earth. It's who God is. That God cares about justice. The Hebrew word for justice is mishpat. Um, and it means a justice that restores and heals and renews. Uh, it's a justice that seeks out people that are being taken advantage of and it helps. Mishpat is a desire to change the circumstances of the vulnerable so that no one is oppressed. It's more than just charity. It's advocating for the vulnerable. Zacchaeus saw Jesus, and he also saw his own reality. He knew what Rome was. He knew what he was a part of. Historians tell us that the Roman system of taxation, unlike the Greek system of taxation, realized they didn't tax their own citizens, they wanted to keep them happy. They taxed uh, folks out in the provinces, the non-citizens, those who worked uh, the land. And this system was what made the Romans so effective and famous and infamous. Zacchaeus knew what his reality was. And Zacchaeus named in brutal detail, in brutal detail for his bank account, what was wrong with the system. Friends, this morning... Do we see Jesus and do we also see our own realities? Uh, sometimes it's easy to be blind about some of the things that are closest to us. Um, I think of our first church in uh, Darien, Connecticut. Darien was the sixth or eighth wealthiest town in the U.S. And uh, we'd been there for a couple months. And my uh, cousin said to me, you know, Darien is a sundown town, right? I said, Nope, I did not know that. Um, sundown towns, there's one close to where I grew up, also in Connecticut. Um, 
Folks of color were welcome to work there during the day, but by the time the sun went down, they were expected to exit, um, not allowed to stay overnight. And it's well documented. It was in the history books until, or the law books until shockingly late, uh, 1950s, 60s. Um, I didn't know this. My cousin's black, so she, you, you figure out some of these things. Um, so a little while later, Stephen mentioned it in one of his sermons. Do you know how many people in the congregation knew this fact about their hometown? Very few. I was like, I've been here nine months, and we've already uh, um, heard about this. Um, I was like, there's a reason why the town looks like it, it does. There were seven country clubs in that town, and uh, they had only started admitting Jewish people in the 1990s. I mean, there's a reason why that town was uh, the, the way it is. But similarly and differently for us, it's easy to just become accustomed to the realities around us, to become normalized to it, to become normalized with some of the things we have and others don't. You know, Massachusetts is a relatively wealthy state. I'm sure I am not a historian or an economist. Many of you understand the realities of our uh, economics in Massachusetts way, way, way better uh, than I do. We've got biotech and universities, and um, but also we are a historically founding colony, great seaport. Um, and, you know, Boston has profited from slave trade, they were, in the 10 years before uh, the Revolutionary War, almost 100 vessels carrying enslaved persons. Um, Charles Fenuel of Fenuel Hall, where we all love to go and eat a $20 bowl of clam chowder standing up. I mean, I love it. I'm, I'm down if you want to go. I'll um, go and consume some very expensive pizza. Charles Fenuel made his massive fortune, as did many others in this area, uh, enriching this area. Um, he was a merchant, and he would take salted cod from Cape Cod, transport the cod to Africa. Um, then he would transport uh, kidnapped uh, persons to slave plantations, sugar plantations in the Caribbean, and then sugar back up to Boston. Um, we see the uh, mills, the textile mills around Lowell, uh, around Worcester, um, Whitensville, and they look a little dilapidated now, but back in the day, these mills in the 1800s were thriving, contributed to a lot of wealth in Massachusetts. Um, most of us have figured out that these were not nice places to work. Uh, grueling 12 to 14 hour days, producing nicer, better fabric, dangerous, overcrowded working conditions. Um, but also, they directly cooperated with slave-owning plantations in, in the South. Take the cotton from the South. Um, they were cooperations between slave-powered plantations and poverty-powered factories. Um, one senator of the day called them an unholy alliance between the lords of the lash and the lords of the loom. Um, but we want to look ar around at our reality. I think you can't change 
what you can't name. Jesus comes to help us make what we have be a blessing to others and also to ourselves. We want to look at our reality, being honest, being open in the presence of Jesus about our reality, naming and changing well in the presence of Jesus. York Moore is an evangelist, and he says, listen, Christians have always cared, for the most part, always cared about saving people from hell, but does that have anything to do with the hell people are experiencing now? Jesus clearly cared about both in his own actions and time and who he befriended and hung out with. Jesus cares about the struggles of the unemployed and the underemployed. Jesus cares about our friends with crushing medical debt. Jesus cares about immigrants and newcomers, those struggling to make a new life in this country or this part of the country. Jesus cares about single parents and kids in foster care. And so when Zacchaeus saw Jesus, Zacchaeus repented. Not just in words, but in actions. This word for repent, um, Elsa Tamez tells us that very few places in the New Testament does repent just mean, I'm sorry. Uh, really what it means is a radical change of outlook and action. And in the New Testament, this word is always connected to a response for the kingdom of God. That when we hear the good news, the, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Zacchaeus didn't just say, I'm really sorry. I apologize. Please accept my apology. Nor did he say, you know, I just didn't even quite realize. It was just, it was part of the job. If I didn't do it, somebody else would have done it. Zacchaeus didn't say that. He changed because he was with Jesus and he wanted everything to be how Jesus wanted it to be. One author says many of the problems of the U.S. church are because we have apologized but not repented. We have apologized but not repented. Friends, we don't want to apologize. We want to change. We want to live the way God wants to. We want to experience the joy of seeing the world change the way Jesus wants it to be. When we look at all we have, individually, as a church, we don't say, isn't this nice? Jesus, aren't you impressed? We want to say, Jesus, how can we join you in making all things right? This is why, you know, we're so invested in things like the mobile food pantry, delivering healthy produce, fresh fruits and vegetables to families every other week, summer vacation, holidays, uh, rain, shine, consistency, uh, consistently providing for folks in our community uh, who are struggling with food insecurity. That's why, we, that's why we do this, not just because of charity or, or compassion, though certainly that's a part, but because we want to cooperate with Jesus in what he's doing. This is why we do things like English as a second language classes for a couple of years. 
equipping folks with what they need to uh, function in uh, this, this society really well. Why we do Thanksgiving baskets, uh, clothing boutiques, why we uh, partner with Love Unconditional, uh, serving orphans and widows in the Dominican Republic. Um, that's why we invest heavily in world missions beyond our little corner of the world. Um, and it's a great joy to us. I love serving with Mobile Food Pantry. I like sorting all the vegetables and talking. Delivering is my favorite part. Um, it was a great, it was one of the highlights of our summer to have the Spain team here. Who here met some of the folks from Spain? Super fun. I think my daughter still talks about them. When can we visit them? Uh, plane tickets are expensive, honey. Um, but it's a great joy to serve and do missions and ministry together. Um, and that's why we have this, this line in our mission statement, why we want to be intentional and specific about it. Um, it's not charity or compassion, but it's the coming kingdom of God justice, cooperating with what he's doing in the world. We have a long way to go, a lot more to do, and that's why we say pursue kingdom of God justice, not check mark, we'll do it, but we're pursuing this, working it out together, seeing what that looks like in our changing culture and society and communities. We're pursuing kingdom of God justice. Lastly, friends, Zacchaeus teaches us um, that when we come down, we dine with Jesus. When we come down, we dine with Jesus. Repenting is a gift. Changing is a blessing. No one is beyond changing. Left, right, th this, that. Repentance is an option for everyone. And we want everyone uh, to be free to experience, not condemning or excluding the possibility for even notorious sinners uh, Dominique uh, Dubois-Gilliard says that while the entire system was guilty, as Rome was, you know, Zacchaeus, he had a place. We work for the tra to transform broken systems. We also need the eyes to see the people of God within these systems who need to be called to repentance. As the people of God who are integrated within broken systems and structures awaken to their sinful complicity and follow Zacchaeus' model, we establish kingdom pressure points that will help us topple oppressive systems that counteract the will of God. Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and he said, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus said, this right here, this is my happy place. This is my purpose. This is what I came for. And Zacchaeus responded with joy and excitement. Zacchaeus went from being a despised traitor in his community to, to having friends and dinner parties and, and community. It was good for him. It was happy for him. Obedience isn't a burden, it's a blessing. Zacchaeus kind of was maybe the first uh, altar call. Instead of uh, a pastor calling him down, there's no Billy Graham, Jesus called him. Instead of walking down an aisle, he climbed down a tree. 
instead of Charles Finney's ministers, uh, demanding setting slaves free, Zacchaeus offers restitution for his greed, and he's freed to dine with Jesus, to experience joy and community and purpose. We see that Jesus' very presence brings justice. Lucrative does not mean blessed. Repentance, which is changing, is a gift, and that no one is beyond this gift of life change. When we come down, we get to dine with Jesus. We get to be with Jesus. So friends, this morning, I think it's just so good to examine our hearts, examine our mission, be strengthened in one of the core points in our, in our mission, what we do as life together uh, as a church community, but also to pray that this is what happens in our hearts and our homes, in our communities, in our nation, and our world. So I want us to respond by taking a couple of minutes to just pray together uh, for justice to come as Jesus wants it to in us, in our own home ecosystems and finances, in this church, in our towns and communities. So could we do, could we stand actually? And could we do that together, friends? Participating with Jesus in what he wants to do. Um, so I've got a couple of uh, prayer points. And really, I encourage you guys to really lean into this and do this together to say, yes, Jesus. We've, re- we've heard the invitation of the Lord to come down to be with him. And we want to respond. We want to see who Jesus is. We want to see our reality and respond in line with the heart of God. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your invitation that you do not just call us as believers, but as we believe, you call us as friends and co-laborers. So would we uh, see the reality of who you are and our reality and respond, Jesus? First, we pray for your kingdom and your will to be done in our families, in our homes. Jesus, we pray for your justice and your rightness, for your peace to be in our families. So friends, just take a minute, name specifically, silently, whisper it out loud. Jesus, would you come to our families? And let's pray together. Lord, would your kingdom come and your will be done. And Jesus, we pray for our neighborhoods. Friends, just take a minute and pray specifically for your neighbors. for uh, our neighbors who are elderly, lonely. 
neighbors who are struggling. We pray blessing on those close by us. And let's say together, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done. Jesus, we pray for our communities right now. Just name out loud your town. We pray for our schools, Lord God. And our schools be places of blessing and right instruction, not of temptations or exclusion or bullying, Lord God. We pray that our communities would be places of flourishing for all, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. And we pray for our country. Or sorry, Lord, would your kingdom come and your will be done. And we pray for our, uh, our country. We pray for our leaders. Just name out your town leaders. We pray for our governor, leaders here in Massachusetts. For President Biden. Oh God, we pray that this country would be a place where your justice flows like a mighty river, washing away what is not of you, Lord God, and establishing refuge and safety, goodness and godliness for every resident. Lord, and we pray for this world. All right, would your kingdom come and your will be done? Sorry, guys. <laughs> and we pray for this world. That's Jesus. Your word says that you make wars to cease to the ends of the earth. Uh, your promise is that of the increase of your government and your peace, there will be no end. We pray, Lord God, would your reign and your rule your peace and your kingdom for over the environment, over governments, would your peace and your rule come. Lord, may your kingdom come and your will be done. And lastly, Jesus, we pray for ourselves. Would you make us people of peace would you replace in us our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh? Would you give us spirits and will and determination to cooperate with you? Yes, Jesus, we pray over ourselves, Lord God, um, that we would be people of justice, of lasting legacy and impact here and in our church, Lord God. And over our, our souls we pray, Lord, may your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.